Well, good Easter Sunday morning. I hope you are well. Sound like this thing has been turned up here. Am, am I a little loud to y'all? Yeah, one says yes, one says no. <laughs> That's like saying, is the temperature okay? Yeah, I hear the hum. Is that you humming, Dee Dee? It's, it's not you humming? We're, we're doing tech. Well, now it's not humming. So, she knows how to stop the hum. How about that? Well, happy Easter Sunday morning. Sunshiny day to you. Was anybody ready for sunshine other than me? Oh, my gracious. Did, did it rain at y'all's house? Did, did, those of you who are watching and listening, did it rain where you were? I, I thought I was going to build an ark. But I didn't have enough lumber, so what could I do? But to wake up this morning to a beautiful, sunshiny day, Resurrection Sunday, uh, it was just a, a great thing to be able to do. Just a few announcements to remind you about. Uh, number one, uh, after service, if you want your picture made for the church directory, uh, I'll be more than glad to do so. We'll meet back here in the hallway at the one of the empty classrooms, and we'll we'll make you look like a mugshot. I can even put numbers across your chest if you want me to, and and we'll get you fixed up. And so, be sure that you do that. Still, ladies' night out. We, we only have a few ladies signed up. We need some more ladies. Y'all ladies need to register, and it's going to be a great night. I, I'm going to do the cooking. That might be the reason they're not signing I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Blair Nodine will be here to speak, and Blair is just a uh, sweetheart of a lady, and she's like me. She's about half crazy. And so... Uh, it should be a real good evening, and uh, I hope that you will take advantage of that and do sign up and be a part of it. Who who remembers what our April challenge is? Read the Gospel of John. Kim, she's not here this morning, but she's already read the Gospel of John. She she finished it Thursday, I think it was. She said that she's already read all. And so she she must be the first one to finish up. And so I want to encourage y'all that you would be doing so as well, that you'd be reading the Gospel of John and uh, finish it up by the end of the month. And then here uh, on the platform is the cross that we talked about. Now, Wes, did you have anything to do with this, or is this all David? This is all David. Okay. Okay, and the purpose of this, it's great to look at the cross, but number two is, there's a little notepad there and a pen, and you can write prayer requests on it, and, and if you want to, you can fold that prayer request, and we'll get some, uh, yeah, thumbtacks, you know, hard to think of thumbtacks. Oh, said so there's some in the box. See, I hadn't looked in the box. And so you can write your prayer request out, and you can stick it on here, and we'll begin praying for these requests. 
And then as a request is, is answered, if you want to, you can take that off and then drop it down in the box. And then maybe put another request there. We, we want to try to make prayer more a part of our services and a part of the church. And uh, so uh, I appreciate David so much for, for building that. And uh, we will look forward to putting it to, to good use as we pray for people. You can put names of people on there you want to see saved, people you'd like to see in church, people who's having surgery, uh, families who are going through difficulties, whatever the prayer need is that, that you have, feel free by all means to put it up here and let us all begin to pray over that and pray with you. Now, Mayola, you still, April the 11th, having outpatient surgery. And so that's in two days. And me and Brian going to come and help the surgeon. <laughs> that okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are trained. He said, you're not trained in surgery. <laughs> Pray for Mayola that uh, everything will go well uh, with this procedure on Tuesday and that he'd get a, a good uh, report back after it's over with. And so I uh, appreciate you doing that. I know that he will also. And we were speaking of David, and he walks in the door. So everybody can say, thank you, David. Thank you, Dave. That was a pretty weak thank you, David. Y'all didn't really come in, it, did you? Let's say thank you, David. <laughs> David doesn't like to have attention drawn to himself. When he had his birthday and I mentioned it, it was like, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. But we do appreciate him building the cross. And I'm sure that Sabre told him how to build it. So it's all David, all David. Well, so so David, you you did good then. Thank you so much. And I was getting to see my outline because I'm over with a note. You know, when you wear a suit and you're not used to it, it makes you do crazy things. <laughs> Somebody mentioned the suit. I said, well, it's my marrying and my burying suit. And I just thought, thought I'd pull it out today. But we're not marrying nor burying this morning. Okay, we're going to pray. Our scripture will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to pray at this time. Father, thank you for this special day. Uh, we don't really know how to express gratitude for the suffering you did on the cross. We really don't have to express the gratitude that we have for you laying in the grave for three days and then for resurrecting on the third day. It is through this that we have hope. It's through this that we have salvation. And we thank you today for what you have done. And Lord, may we honor you this morning in all that we say, in all that we do. Lord, may you be the one who receives honor and glory today. We pray for Mayola that you'd watch over him on Tuesday, that the surgery would go well for him. 
And Lord, for others who maybe are having other issues and unspoken requests, we pray for them as well. We ask you, Father, that you would watch over each one of these needs and take care of them. And Father, we just thank you so much for doing so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 through 20 will be our scripture. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning in verse 12. Paul says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this only, we are of all people But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Would you agree that Easter is a glorious time? Just, just think a little bit about Easter, the Easter season. Usually around Easter, we see the rebirth of nature. After a cold, sometimes dark, dreary, uh, long winter, all of a sudden we begin to see leaves pop out on trees. We begin to see dogwoods bloom. We begin to see the grass turn green. We, we begin to see gardens being planted and, and plants coming up. And, and we see the rebirth of nature and it is like, wow. Every year it happens. Then for others, it's a glorious time of the year because of new clothes. Now you don't see this as much as you used to. Some of you who are older like me, I won't call any names. <clears throat> but if you're older like me, do you remember when used to... Practically every Easter, everybody got new clothes. Man got a new suit or got a new shirt or at least a new tie. Woman got a new dress, maybe a, a Easter hat. The children all got new clothes and everybody came to church looking their best. Well, for y'all, this is a new suit that I'm wearing. You ain't never seen it before, but it's not new. But for some, they still do that. That They still go Easter clothes shopping, and they love it. Now, I don't like clothes shopping, so I don't love it. I just let everybody else love it. Usually, they're family get-togethers. Uh, it's kind of like Thanksgiving and Easter when families get together, and they have meals together, and they spend quality time together. Or hopefully, it'll be quality time. Sometimes family time is not quality time. But hopefully at Easter, especially, that it would be quality time as these families all come together. And then you have the egg hunts. Now, I never was a big fan of hiding and hunting eggs, even as a kid. 
I'm just queer. And y'all figuring that out. I'm, I'm just kind of queer. But the average kid that they love somebody to hide eggs and then go hunt the eggs and find the eggs and, 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 you know, used to we used real eggs to do so with and then you could crack the eggs and eat the eggs if you wanted to. Now we use plastic eggs and they'll be the prize eggs that you got something special in that the kids are looking for. And they, they really do enjoy it. I think Jackson enjoys looking for Easter eggs. Yeah, and Bella probably still enjoys looking for Easter eggs. You know, say, where, where are those eggs? Only eggs I look for is in the chicken coop. That's the eggs that I go looking for. But, but there are other people who really do enjoy that. And so, Easter, it's just a really neat, special time of the year is spring is arriving, new growth is taking place, new clothes, family get-togethers, egg hunts, but you know that that's not the main reason for Easter. Easter is about something far more important. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In our scripture that we read together, Paul is dealing with a current controversy of his day about the resurrection. There were two opposing views. Can you imagine two opposing views about faith? You have the Sadducees who did not believe in resurrection. And the way I always remember that is in, in Bible college, the professor said they were called sad, you sees, you see, because they were sad, you see, because they didn't have a resurrection to believe in. Well, the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. Now, they were very legalistic, and, and they were hard to be with and around, but, but they did believe in a resurrection. And so in our scripture that we read together, Paul is addressing these two different views. One of the Sadducees, that there is no resurrection. And then the one of the Pharisees, where there is a resurrection. And I want to just examine these two views just for a couple of moments this morning. First, I want to look at the rejection of the resurrection, verses 12 through 19. In these verses, we're going to consider the results of there not being a resurrection. I hope you picked up on it as I read the scripture. If there has been no resurrection, if there is no resurrection in general, then not even Christ has been resurrected. And if Christ has not been resurrected, what does that mean? Well, it means that our preaching is vain in verse 14. Our preaching is empty. Preaching without being able to preach under the power of a resurrected Lord is not preaching. It is giving a speech. It's giving a talk. It's trying to encourage with worldly principles. Preaching comes from the fact that Christ was resurrected. And without His resurrection, then what I'm doing this morning is empty. It's vain. There's no use of me being up here. And without the resurrection, our faith is vain. Our faith is empty in verse 14 also. Without the resurrection, it says that our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That, that faith that you have this morning, that faith you say you have in Christ, that faith you have in going to heaven when you die, if there's been no resurrection, then that faith is useless. It's worth nothing. It would be no more than believing this wall could save you. It would be no more than believing that that... That, that tree out there was your God. It'd be no more than believing that one of your ancestors was going to empower you and help you. Without the resurrection, then the, the faith that we profess would be empty. 
powerless, would have nothing worthwhile. And in verse 15, it says, we become false witnesses if there's no resurrection. In verse 15, for we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise. So we'd be liars. We'd be walking around lying to other people if we were saying Christ was resurrected when Christ was not resurrected. We'd be lying to other people if we said have faith in Christ, He will help you when Christ has not been resurrected and He cannot help you. We'd be lying if we said have faith in Christ so that you can go to heaven because there'd be no heaven to go to. So if there'd been no resurrection, then what I'm doing today is useless. Your faith is useless. And we'd actually be lying to other people telling them what they need to do. And verse 17, our sins are not forgiven. Look in verse 17. This should be mind-boggling for you. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Every sin that you have confessed to Christ, every sin you have asked for forgiveness for, if Christ has not been resurrected, if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in those sins. Oh, but I prayed and asked for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. If there's been no resurrection, there's no resurrection power. Without resurrection power, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And you can pray all day long, forgive me of my sins, and you're still going to be in your own nasty sins. If there has been no resurrection, verse 18 says that the dead are perished. Look at verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep, fallen asleep is a nice way in Scripture of saying have died. That those who have died in Christ, well, they have perished. That they literally no longer exist. If there's been no resurrection, our forefathers who were believers, our current family members who died before us who were believers, if there's been no resurrection, then when they die, we talk about them going to heaven, they're not going to heaven because without resurrection power, there could be no salvation. Without resurrection power, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Without resurrection power, they're not going anywhere. They're just going right away like an animal. If there is no resurrection, those that we talk about being in heaven, they're not in heaven. They didn't go anywhere. They just took their last breath and they died. And in verse 19, if there is no resurrection, we are miserable people. Look at what it says. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all People most to be pitied. We, we, we live in misery if Christ has not been resurrected. Because our preaching is empty. Because our faith is empty. Because we have been false witnesses. Because our sins are not forgiven. Because our loved ones who have already died are not in heaven. We are living as miserable people. If Christ has not been resurrected. So Paul is talking to the Sadducees and saying, if what you say is true, just examine the results of that. It does not sound very encouraging, does it? So that's the rejection of the resurrection. 
But in verse 20, we find the reality of the resurrection. And, and this would be Paul saying the Pharisees got this part right. Verse 20 says, But in fact, or in the King James Version, it says, Now Christ has been raised from the who have fallen asleep. The reality of the resurrection, he says, it's a present resurrection. As I say it in the King James Version, it says now. He, he says right at this moment, presently, he, he is resurrected. He, he has come back to, to life. He was crucified. He was buried. But now he is resurrected. And we can say today in 2023, now, currently, presently, we can say the same thing, that Christ has been raised from the dead. It's not just a present resurrection, but it is a bodily resurrection. There, there are those who would teach that Christ did not raise physically, that it was just spiritually, uh, mentally, but it was a physical resurrection. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, and, and this was at the time that Paul was writing this, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. A physical, bodily resurrection that people literally saw with their own eyes. And Paul said as he is writing this, some of those are still alive who saw the resurrected body of our Lord. It's not enough to talk about the resurrection in some abstract way. We must talk about the resurrection, the reality of it, that it was a bodily resurrection. That his body came back from the grave, came back from death. It's a present resurrection, it's a bodily resurrection, and it is a profitable resurrection. We all like profit. Look in verse 20, he says, The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. <clears throat> in other words... Because Christ was crucified, Christ was buried, and because Christ then was resurrected to newness of life, there is power for every believer who had died before then, and every believer since then, that they too will be able to experience the resurrection at the last day. Christ is the first seeds of it. He, he is blazing the pathway. He is saying, look, you can follow me. I am just the first fruit. Many will follow. All who believe will follow. All who are believers in Christ will follow. Man, that's pretty profitable, isn't it? That we will one day be resurrected from graves and join Him in the clouds, and join Him in heaven forever, and forever, and forever. And it's because He has been resurrected. Without His resurrection, we'd be most miserable people. Listen to this little poem that Philip Brooks wrote many years ago. 
tomb, thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter Day. And that's why we're here today, is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To celebrate by me. And as I, we prepare our hearts for let me share a couple of things with you that I believe about the Lord's Supper. They, they, in yesteryear, there were those who taught closed communion. You can have closed communion or open communion. Have y'all heard those two terms? Closed communion, for you to participate in the Lord's Supper in a local fellowship, you must be a member of that local fellowship. The reasoning is, if you're not a member of that local fellowship, then we cannot discipline you and we don't know the life that you're living. Open communion says, you don't have to be a member of the local congregation. We're going to trust you. Number one, have you been saved? And number two, are your sins confessed and up to date? Now, I've always practiced open communion. I wouldn't know if you were living right or not, even if I did close communion. This is a heart matter between a believer and Christ. This matter of communion. But I will read a couple of verses of Scripture as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread... And drink of that cup, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. During the writing of these scriptures, people had begun to abuse the Lord's Supper, and they would come together and make gluttons out of themselves. They would all bring meals together. And those who had much brought much, and they would eat like a glutton. Those who had a little brought little, and they had nothing to eat. And the the rich enjoyed, the poor did not. They, They were abusing the purpose of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was never to be about having a big meal. The Lord's Supper was never about gorging yourself on great food while you were there. And so Paul is saying, why are you doing the Lord's Supper? Why do you participate in the Lord's Supper? And he makes it clear that we should not do so unworthily. Now, that's different than being unworthy. Because we are all unworthy of being able to participate in the Lord's Supper. Every one of us are unworthy. Unworthily speaks to the fact we've examined our hearts, we've examined the sin in our life, and we have confessed our sin to Him. See, the Lord's Supper is a serious matter that we should never take lightly. It it should be a time of self-examination. 
I can't examine you and you can't examine me. It is a time of self-examination, examining yourself. And if there's unconfessed sin, confessing it to Christ. Paul says, it is so serious that there are those who have brought damnation to themselves, that they have literally died because they took of the Lord's Supper, living sinful, unholy lifestyles. So it's a serious matter. But at the same time, it's a glorious matter that we get to participate in it. And again, none of us are worthy. It's not about our worth. Our worth is only found in Christ Jesus. It's not found in us. So I always think before the Lord's Supper begins that it's time for quiet meditation for each person as you reflect upon your life. And if, if there's a sin you need to confess to Christ, you, you confess that sin. And do so before we actually do the Lord's Supper. So for just a couple of moments, I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. And just be honest with yourself and honest with God. And if there's a sin that you need to confess, <clears throat> by all means, confess it to Him. Lord Jesus, may each one be real and true as they inspect their hearts. Lord, forgive me for those sins that I commit. Lord Jesus, may I be a better Christian, a stronger Christian each day that I live. Jesus, do a work in my life that only you can do. And I pray for these who are here that you do the same for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Where we're going to do the Lord's Supper is I'm going to ask you, if you would, to come and get a cracker and the juice. And if you want to just stay up here as we do this, feel free to do so. If you want to sit on the front pews, you can do so. Uh, but uh, I'll just ask you to come and get a cracker and the juice, and then we will proceed with the Lord's Supper. So if you would come at this time.
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. First Corinthians 11 and 25 says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. May we pray. Father, this is symbolic. The bread and the juice. The bread, your broken body, and the juice, your shed blood. And we thank you this day for both. You willingly allowed your body to be broken and your blood to be shed so that we could be partakers of salvation. We would never take lightly what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And it said in Matthew twenty six thirty, supper being ended, Jesus and his disciples departed singing a song. And so we're going to 